So you've come here for the truth. Well, we've got the truth and nothing but the truth. Here are your hosts, Robert A. Bianchi and David J. Bruno. Welcome to WMTR Radio's Nothing But The Truth with your host Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno, two lawyers in New Jersey. Dave, it's a show about mindset, not about the law. Mindset's so important. We really love this show. We really appreciate our audience for listening every Saturday at 1030 at WMTR Radio. And on Wednesday, the podcast drops. We have another awesome guest. Dave, let's bring her on. Introduce her. Yeah, we have Jade Gordon, who is a keynote speaker and a workshop facilitator. Uh, talking about positive leadership and confidence. And, and and we had to do this on a Friday. We got her in here because Jade's got such a busy schedule coming up, going around the country, talking to teams and companies and all kinds of different audiences about the positive leadership. And I am so happy to have her on Nothing But The Truth. It's been a back and forth, Jade, and schedules have been tough, but I am so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you, and I cannot wait to have this discussion, Bob. Yeah, so Jade, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself to uh, our audience a little bit, tell them about who you are, and uh, we'll start kicking it with some questions after that. Yeah, sounds good. So obviously, my name is Jade. Um, I grew up in a household where everybody always asked me, what's it like growing up with a positive guy? And I, I would always say one word, annoying. So yeah. I always grew up around this guy who was talking about mindset and positivity and perspective. And so as a result of that, it really shaped who I am and what I do now. I fought it for a long time where I said, I don't want to speak. I don't want to do what you do because that's just not my thing. It's your thing. And so I went to Clemson. I graduated with a degree in communications. I moved out to LA until finally I felt God saying, I've called you to do this work. You're supposed to join your father in sharing this message. And so now I travel around the country working, like you said, with teens. I work with a lot of teens as well, the younger generation. I work with the older generation, with companies, teaching them about the gap between leadership, the old idea of leadership versus what we need now with that mindset and perspective of creating great relationships and teams so that people are connected. And so I, I feel like, you know, with what I do, it's really cool because I've seen my dad go from this negative to this positive person. And if he wouldn't have made that change, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Let me just jump in because I apologize for not introducing. I want this to be about Jade Gordon, right? And that's why at first I didn't wrap it up into John Gordon. But John Gordon, author, is one of the most prolific authors in the world. I mean, he wrote Energy Bus. He wrote Relationship Grit with Jade's mom. I mean, book after book after book after book. He and his company is going around counseling some of the best college football programs. So, Jade, when you talk about your dad, the positive guy, John Gordon, yeah, you're cut from the cloth of the man, but you're also building your own. And that's why I'm so proud to have you on because younger generation here going to talk to companies. I mean, it must be a little discouraging, not discouraging, but maybe intimidating at first because you're going, you're, you're a young individual going to talk to older people. And so tell me just getting into that, right? Because you first are out in California and you want to get into the, the industry of, you want to be an actress or, or in the entertainment business and you transfer into this culture of positive leadership. So at first, tell me, how was that transition going into this space where your dad is pretty much king of positive leadership? So when I lived in LA, I was working at a place called Nobu Malibu, and it was such a toxic environment that being there, I realized people need this now more than ever. So yes, at first I wanted to be an actress, but then I was like, I have the ability to help people with their mindset, their perspective, all the things that I've learned my whole entire life. And so when I decided to step into speaking, there was a lot of intimidation and a lot of fear and definitely a lot of imposter syndrome of that mindset of, yeah, my dad is amazing at what he does. He's one of the best. What if people compare me to him? What if they think I'm not good enough? What if they look at me, look down on me and say, she's just doing this because this is what her dad does. And so I had to fight a lot of that fear actually with a lot of the principles that we teach about mindset. And one of the things that I really focus on is 
talking to yourself versus listening to yourself. So I started listening to myself, all that negativity, all the fear, all the reasons why maybe I shouldn't do this. But my dad said, when you talk to yourself, you fuel yourself with those words of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really talk to myself and say, there's people out there that maybe they don't want to hear my 50 year old dad talk to them about this. I can relate to a lot of people and I can give a fresh new perspective that maybe they need to hear that maybe my dad didn't go through. And so I went um, last year and I worked with Ready Ice, the, the ice company, all their operational managers across the country. And they're around the age of 50. Most of them, that was the average age. And so I was really nervous going into it of being like, these are, you know, they're a lot older than me. They think that they're maybe probably wiser. They're probably thinking, what can she add what value can she give us? So I really had to prepare myself and say, okay, for me, a lot of the things I do is faith-based. So I said, God, just give me the ability to maybe share something with them or get them to see a different perspective that the leadership style they've been using is not working. And so we did a workshop and really had them realize, okay, why do you lead the way that you do? What does it feel like to be led by you? Are things working? And so really allowing them in a, in a safe space to reflect on what they're doing, their leadership styles, if it's working, if it's not. And a lot of them said, you know, it's, it's not. There's this gap. We have a, a lot of young people coming in and the way that we're leading is not working. They're not receptive. A lot of people want to quit. There's not, you know, we want more retention. And so I realized, wow, because I... I'm part of the younger generation, and I know how we operate in today's society, I can kind of give them tools to be able to take that back and make their team more connected and stronger. And so I really spent, I spent about four hours with them going through this workshop. And after that, it was a really big for me defining moment or a solidification of even though I'm younger, I still have the ability to provide value to these people that maybe they don't know these things. They don't know how to lead in ways that they should in today's society. Well, Jade, uh, you're blowing me away. First of all, I, I come from a father who was and is a tremendous litigator. A, a very famous trial lawyer. I went into that space and that comparison about whether I could, he, he was such an idol in my mind. He was such a bigger than life figure, um, was very daunting to me. The, the, but, I, you know, as I went through life and, and it was very challenging emotionally for me, I realized that there was so much I picked up from him uh, that, that was just part of my DNA. I just had to get myself out of my own mind and listening, like you said, to those comparison thoughts and what if I can't equal him. And, and I think that's a lesson for anybody who's in that space. And many people aren't, but if you are, it can be very challenging to overcome that. And I almost walked away from the legal profession at one point. And now I look back on it, I'm like, wow, what a mistake. Second thing um, I want to ask you about, it, it's almost prescient. When you talk about organizations, I'm wondering, do you do not-for-profit organizations? And, and I say this because I'm a member of an organization that has an older contingency, uh, membership declining, some you know, financial struggles, like many charitable organizations have. And there's a great resistance, or there was, it's lessening, that we need to do better with new tools, new techniques to get younger people in. And you need to listen to the younger people. You can't just say, I want them there. You've got to go where they are. You have to speak their language. So is I think we're at a, 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 a kind of place where we are transitioning, but it's so slow and clunky and there's so much fear about it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that a little more and do you go out to places that are like charitable organizations and help them their leadership team because for example this organization i'm talking about is national state and local so i mean the leadership like this that you may be able to provide uh would be key to change maybe an entire culture of an organization yeah so we focus on any group that kind of wants this positivity this mindset this culture a lot of the stuff that we focus on is culture so coming into organizations like that and saying okay what can we do to maybe have people have more of a different perspective or a better mindset or find ways where maybe we're struggling we have all these challenges and giving them the tools to overcome that because not every every 
place you go to is thriving and successful. A lot of them are really struggling and they need these kinds of things. And so we work with any type of group that wants the power of positivity. They want to be a more connected team. They want to maybe restructure their culture because what's, what's they've been, they've been doing is not working. Mm. So truly anybody that is open to that. I mean, I've even done things where people have brought us in and there's a lot of people who they don't want to listen to positivity. They don't want to really change their mindset. But we still go in and we try because we look at it as no matter what environment you're in, not everybody's going to be on the bus. Not everybody's going to want to be positive. So it's coming into environments and saying, okay, when there is negativity, when there is a negative person, we don't want to allow that person to sabotage our team. What are we going to do? So we're always going into places like that to help give them the tools to be able to work through situations like that. As a follow up to that, um, do you get to? learn about the organization and speak to people like before you actually give your presentation and do you also do it virtually is that as good as being in person I think it's a lot better. Um, I think being there and getting to interact with them the way that I do makes more of a difference than maybe being online and then saying, okay, you know, we're doing this over the over the computer. I've done it before. It obviously works, but I'm very much an in-person kind of person. And so um, when I go there, before I go there, I have a call with the organization that's bringing me in. I talk to them. We talk about kind of the things they want to focus on. So I tailor a lot of our presentation towards that, maybe focusing on something a little bit more because that's something they really need. Um, I've been doing a lot more workshops than keynotes recently. So that's three hours, four hours going in and really getting them to think about, okay, what's your vision? What do you stand for? So I feel like if I were to do that virtually, it can be done, but I really love going in person because then I really get to interact with people and Mm -hmm. talk to them. And a lot of people have questions afterwards of, Hey, I'm struggling. What, what do you think I should do? And so um, we, we've done both ways, but I always think, especially after everything with COVID, we've done a lot of virtual, but seeing the benefit of being in person, I think is, is definitely a lot better. Awesome. Wow. And these are, we're going to go into the commercial, but I did want to make this point. These are tried and true principles that are being taught out there, not just to companies. Look, listen to this list of how the Gordons have presented this. We got the Los Angeles Dodgers, Pittsburgh Pirates, San Diego Padres, Miami Heat, Oklahoma City Thunder, Georgia Bulldogs, Clemson University with Dabo Sweeney, Alabama. I mean, the big teams are using these principles that are being taught in in these particular presentations so that's why it's so exceptional to have you on and what you guys are doing so we're into the break right now we got a short commercial break we're gonna bring jade back on the other side you're listening to wmtr's nothing but the truth bob bianchi dave bruno we'll see you after the commercial at the bianchi law group our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases when you need a law firm with courage compassion and the commitment to fight for you call the bianchi law group today welcome back to wmtr radio's nothing but the truth with your host bob bianchi dave bruno so we have jade gordon with us throwing the fire throwing the heat about mindset and, and organizationally i'll tell you i'm very excited dave when we were in the break you know, I'm talking about bringing her on to help us with some of the groups that I'm a member of. Absolutely. And and I'm excited too. look, there's so many books out there that that could fit. If you guys are interested in learning more about this, there's the book of the power of positive leadership. There's the power of a positive team. My favorite is the energy bus. You mentioned it. They may not be on the bus. What did you mean? Let's get into this a little bit because it literally is probably my favorite book, the energy bus. It's being used in uh, locker rooms and professional teams and college teams. What do you mean by someone not being on the bus? So when we talk about the bus, we talk about more so the direction that you're going in, either as a company, your team. So being willing to be on the same mission, moving forward, being on your team, being a team member. So it's not obviously a real bus, but it's this metaphorical kind of everybody who's on your team and willing to move forward with you because they know what direction you want to go in. And a lot of times when we do these workshops, we talk about, you know, our telescope and our microscope of your big picture vision. And that's kind of 
of what the bus encompasses is you have this vision of what you want to create. And so you want to make sure that serves as your North Star and shows you which direction you're going in. And you want everybody to be on the bus going in the same direction. Yeah, and ideally you want everybody on the bus. But that doesn't always work that way, Jade. We got these people out here called energy vampires. Oh my God, that's exactly where I was going to go. Number six. <laughs> Let's talk. What's an energy vampire and how does that relate to the people that are on the bus moving I in the same so direction? so energy vampires. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> so an energy vampire is somebody who really just drains the life out of you. They just suck the energy out of you. They're the person you hang out with or you're around them at work. And they're so negative, they're complaining, and they're just bringing you down with their negative energy. After you hang out with them, you're like, I am exhausted. I need to just be, you know, by myself or just re kind of fuel myself with whatever they just drained from me. And when we talk about these energy vampires and maybe they won't change or they won't get on our bus, we kind of, we have all these rules or these ways that we can help change that person from negative to positive because a lot of times we realize that people who are energy vampires they feel powerless maybe they don't feel heard they don't feel validated and we talk a lot about creating great relationships and connecting with the people around you to then say hey what's really going on how can we get you on the bus how can we get you to not we say one person can't make a team but one person can break a team and so we don't want that person to sabotage the people around us so a lot of times we teach people hey if you have that energy vampire you need to change the culture so much so that that person is no longer comfortable that either they change or they get off the bus and maybe they quit or they're removed or whatever whatever it is but the whole goal is to try first to help them coach them develop them so that they eventually want to get on the bus and be a part of the mission that you guys want to create as a team bob you know any uh energy vampires? <laughs> well you know I guess I did it right because I, that was exactly when I was prosecutor or even any organization that I, that I run is there were a lot of energy vampires, a lot of pushback and how come and we never did it this way. Maybe I used to have a line, Dave, where I said, if one more person comes into my office and tells me we never did it this way, I'm going to bring them down to the first floor of the courthouse. I'm going to open up the window and I'm going to throw them out. That means first floor. That's first not very floor. far. Right. So they don't really get okay. hurt. But my, my point was is that that is no longer, and culturally, is no longer an acceptable thought process. So if, if job survival is an instinct you possess, don't say it to me. Um, and then you try to coach them and bring them along. But there comes a time where I found that when you're changing the culture and everybody else is kind of coming on board and seeing the successes and seeing the results, that makes them smaller and smaller. And many of those times, those people just walked out the door because they knew they no longer had power. Is, is, that, where you're, is that what you're basically saying, Jane? Yes. Yeah. You change the culture so much that they're like, there's, we've actually done this, done this with a lot of people that have said, I'm not willing to change. And people have created this amazing culture around them to the point where those people quit and they go somewhere else and they sabotage the culture there. But because you've changed the culture so much, that person really either feels like they have to leave because they're not going to change or it actually starts to fuel them to say, you know what? I want to stay here. I want to be a part of this culture. I am willing to change. Sure. I guess it's, it's creating vision too. I mean, positive energy, positive mindset, but don't you, as a leader, how do you deal with those energy vampires? I mean, giving them the direction, they got to make the decision to get on the bus or not. But at what point do you have to get, dig deep and kind of give them that direction? I think, again, it all comes down to relationships first. So when you're creating great relationships with the people around you, you're able to have those conversations with people to say, hey, you're sabotaging our team, coaching them, developing, de developing them. We actually have an acronym, shining the light on your energy vampire. So the S stands for search, investigate, get curious. Why are they being negative? Maybe something's going on at home. Like mm -hmm. ask them. They're not being negative just because something small happened. What really happened? We have the H, which is help. Develop them, coach them, help them to be the best version of themselves so that they're not being negative. I, we really say, inspire them, encourage them, lift them up, give them some positivity. The N, which is, we say, environment, 
change the environment so much so that the energy vampire is no longer comfortable. And the E is obviously as a last resort, you either have to eliminate or remove them. Again, that is the last resort because we want to do everything we can to try and change that person. But if they're not willing to change, we really don't want them on our team because what value are they adding aside from sucking the life out of everybody around them? And then you've created this culture of toxicity and they're sabotaging the positive culture that you're trying to create. I, I, I noticed, Jade, that one of the problems with energy vampires is leadership. The leadership is uh, that refuses to confront the energy vampire to do the very things that you just indicated. And I, I've had some uh, amazing success stories where when you sit down, you talk, you listen, you understand, you let them know it's not acceptable. And maybe you move them to a different position or a different job, something that uh, they feel more valued at, you can really turn somebody around to become a team player. I've seen that a lot. Yeah, definitely. In, in, a, in a lot of our workshops, we actually cultivate, try and cultivate those great relationships to get people to have that perspective to say, when I'm sitting down with somebody, I'm finding out what's really going on. And you realize that, oh my gosh, this small little thing that they were freaking out about or that was stressing them out, once they feel validated and they feel heard, and a lot of times people talk about this idea of toxic positivity, but I believe that if it's toxic, it's not positive. Mm -hmm. And so people are not validating people's feelings. They're not being empathetic. They're just saying, oh, be positive. You're okay. Oh, figure it out. Oh, don't stress. But when we really sit down and say, okay, what is the root of this issue? What is causing this complaining and this negativity? You're able to then be more connected to help them to move forward and be more positive. Can I ask one other question? Um, another thing I've noticed in leadership is jealousy. And I've seen this in a number of different contexts where those who are performing, they're on the team, they have the vision, they're enthusiastic. I'm looking at actually your 10 rules here. The 10 they're, rules. They, it's the 10 rules for the ride of your life comes from the energy bus. Yeah. I mean, you know, have fun, enjoy the ride. You know, there, there are sometimes people who are threatened by that. Um, and, and there becomes a kind of a, an attack on those people. I've seen very good, but Dave, and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you kind of went through it yourself. Sure. I've gone through it earlier in my career. You're doing very well. You're following the rules. You're a team player. And then all of a sudden, people are throwing the darts in your back and the knives in your back. Have you noticed that culturally as well? And any advice on how to handle that? Yeah, I think it, we've definitely seen it a lot. Um, at certain levels, it, it, we actually have seen it at all levels, which sometimes is kind of surprising at smaller levels, but we've, we've implemented this thing of love and accountability of when you have the dynamic of people who are in these leadership positions and people are jealous, we're talking about, hey, I'm going to show you that I love you because I'm investing in you. I'm showing you I'm committed. I'm showing you that I care about you. And so changing that jealousy to realizing, oh my gosh, we're all going towards the same common goal. And when you have those conversations, we talk about having difficult conversations, having those conversations of why do you feel the way that you do? Why are you acting out? As a leader, this is how I'm trying to lead this company or lead this team. The way you're acting is not showing that you're on the same page as us. And so you're really having to have those conversations. And we've actually changed it. Instead of having difficult conversations as a team, come up with a different word other than difficult. Maybe it's a needed conversation. Maybe it's, you know, changing the, the lingo. So it's not this negative connotation so that you can address why is there jealousy? What's going on? This person's in this position for a reason. Are things working out? Do things need to change? So it's about having those conversations to figure out why people feel the way that they do and how to move forward from that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, un unreal. Thank you, Jade. Listen, Bob and I, we're, we're coaches ourselves. We have an upcoming workshop for students that are interested in careers in law. Uh, we just released a new date for the spring, March 20th of 2024. High school students, college students, law school students interested in careers in law. Now this this demographic, this audience out there, man, they got a they got a tough nowadays. I mean, with social media, the comparison, the criticism, all the distractions. With your experience talking to that demographic, that audience that that we're trying to hit as well. What are some tips that you have for them getting through those distractions and everything going on in this space? 
Yeah. So comparison is the thief of joy. So we really try and, and get them to understand that by you comparing yourself to the people around you, it's only going to make you feel worse about yourself. You were created the way that you were for a reason. You have the ability and the skills that you do because that's what you were given. It's what you do with them. Right. And so in our workshops, I know I've mentioned this before, but I truly believe it's, it's, it's such a crucial thing to implement is the talking to yourself versus listening to yourself. So when I do these workshops with students, we have a, an activity where we, what we do, or I have them write down some negative thoughts that come into their head. Because as we know, we're all dealing with negativity and adversity and challenges. But at that age, it's a lot greater for them as young people. And so they're really, I have them write down, okay, what's a negative thought? A lot of them say, I'm not good enough. Maybe somebody's better than me or whatever it is. And then they have to write a positive truth to speak to that lie because we don't want to reinforce those thoughts when they come in because then we start to believe them. So I have these teens really think about, okay, what's a negative thought? And when that comes in, I want to recognize that that's not coming from me. That's a negative thought that's not true about myself. Mm. And then I want to speak positively to myself so that I have a more positive mindset. And we have seen that that has been so crucial for the younger generation, especially people who want to be leaders because they're not listening to outside forces. They're trying to really instill that in themselves of that confidence of moving forward. If I can do it instead of saying, I can't, I can do it no matter what it is. If I put my mind to it and also looking as failure, looking at failure as even though, yes, this didn't work out, I'm still going to move forward. I'm going to learn from this. So it's giving them the confidence to go through these challenges, to go through these adverse, this adversity that they're facing and be stronger on the other side of it. Yeah, Jane, I, if I want to add to that just before Bob goes, it reminds me of what I hear from Ed Milet as well. It's one that you need to be able to identify those thoughts too when they come because they're patterns. They're patterns. You you talked about it earlier, the imposter syndrome. I'm not enough. I can't do this. I don't have the experience or whatever it is. It could be jealousy, the jealousy trait that maybe pops up. Understanding that those thoughts come in patterns and also start to name them. If you name the jealousy pattern you name the imposter syndrome pattern at least you could identify them and then get into those exercises that you just laid out for our audience exceptional jade jade i want to pick up on something that you said in the last episode and we talked about those those negative emotions and i find myself many times you know no nobody or very few people go through as much as a person charged with a crime and and i find myself constantly saying listen, you've got a lot of thoughts. 95% of them are not going to come true. They're merely thoughts. And you want to let them affect you and torture you, fine. Concentrate on the things that you can make a positive difference in, that you can actually have control over, as opposed to the gremlins that are in your brain telling you all negative things uh, that won't help. And when you were talking about that kind of philosophy, um, I used to also go around lecturing around the country, actually in, in other countries as well, on a program called Joyful Journey, which was living in the present moment um, and, and having gratitude. Those were really the concepts that I was coming up with. And I would use this technique, and I do it with myself all the time. And it's not novel, but I think it's something that maybe is up your alley. When that happens and you're thinking negatively and, and your body is now reacting because there's a physical reaction that occurs from negative thoughts, that I actually use a principle called stop, look, and go. When I feel that way, I stop. What am I thinking? Why is, do I have this negative thought? And I look at it. I understand it. I confront it. I face it. I, I say to you, you're not real. You're not accurate. I have control over how I'm going to respond to the situation. And then I go, hopefully, in a more peaceful and productive fashion. Uh, does that sound familiar to how you think about things? Or if so, how? Or if not, how? Yeah, I think the first thing like we've talked about is acknowledging or realizing that you are having this negative thought of kind of holding that thought captive and saying, I'm not going to allow this to make me feel this way. We say you can't be blessed and stressed at the same time. So I'm not going to allow this stress or the way that I'm feeling or these thoughts that are coming in to make me 
feel, have this physical reaction, I'm going to honestly practice gratitude a lot of times to say the things that I'm grateful for so that I'm changing my negative perspective or my negative mindset to be more positive, to say, okay, yes, I'm feeling this way, but what can I do? What are the actionable things that I can do to no longer elicit this response, but to change my mindset so that I'm thinking positively to myself. Because again, we don't want to reinforce those negative thoughts because then we start to believe them and it'll only become a spiral and it'll become a habit, right? We don't want that to happen. So by allowing us to first acknowledge that we're having these thoughts and realizing they don't come from us, they, they're coming from our external forces. We also talk a lot about being the coffee bean. The power is inside of you to transform yourself and to transform your environment so you're not allowing these outside forces to affect you. So it's really that internal dialogue with yourself of speaking positively so that you're not in that negative spiral. Wow. Blessed, not stressed. Right. And also that's a Tony Robbins principle as well that I'd like to talk a little bit about too. One of the things that Tony Robbins talks about is controlling your breath, controlling your breath, slowing down your breath in that turmoil, because we all have it, this uncertainty. It's either charged with a crime. You may be experiencing relationship problems. Slow down the breathing, focus on the heartbeat, and think about what you're grateful for, mm. right? Because you can't be grateful and stressed at the same time. Figure it out, because that is an exercise. And I've actually used that, Bob, with some of our clients. I was with a, a client not too long ago in the jail. I walked in and he was complaining of stress. And I said, hey, I learned this exercise from Tony Robbins. And I gave it to him. And he continues to, every time he t I talk to him, he tells me that was the thing. That was the thing that helped me out in that moment. So I love it. Bless not stressed. Yeah, can I, can I add to what you're, you're, I don't know if that's a question, but um there's a great website gratefulness.org it's it's run by a benedictine priest brother david rost uh, he's also a, a buddhist it's very very interesting very very deep guy um and i love how they make a distinction jade between the difference between gratitude and happiness they're two different concepts and talk to me a little bit about that in your mind brother david i think would say happiness is fungible it can it can change gratitude can't gratitude exists even when horrible things are happening to you what are your thoughts yeah i think you just hit the nail on the head that happiness a lot of times comes from external factors whereas that gratefulness is inside of us with that mindful practice of saying okay i'm going to focus on all the things that i was given all the things that i have a lot of times we have people write down all the things they have to do and then we say okay scratch out all the things you have to do and write you get to because mm. then when you think about all the things that you're fortunate to have, you're not thinking about it in a negative way. Mm. You're thinking about it in this positive way. And it really changes your mindset and perspective when you realize that, okay, it's not based off of anything that's happening outside of me. I'm not going to let any of those ex external factors affect me. I'm going to focus on all the things that I'm grateful for. And we also talk about, well, I specifically think with joy. I feel like joy also can coincide with being grateful because it's separate from happiness because joy comes from, for me, truly from the Lord. And when you realize all the things that you are grateful for, that God has blessed you with and God has given you the things that you get to do, that is not, you can't take that away by anything in your environment that's happening because that truly comes from the Lord and who you were created to be. Yeah, I could, I could relate. I've heard that from your dad too. Um, you know, at night, I'll tell you, a lot of parents, and I'm a parent of two young children, it's tough at night, you know, with the brushing the teeth and getting them to bed and staying them in, in bed. I, it's, a, it's something I use regularly. I get to do this. I get to help my kids do this. I get to experience this with my kids. And, and just another principle, again, you're just ticking them off, Jade, as, as to what I've heard before, and these are all great things. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I, I can speak to you forever, Jade. Honestly, I, we, we were talking offline also about, I think me and you and Dave as well, don't believe in coincidences. Um, we, we, you know, and I talked to you about my prosecutor's job when I finally gave up on it because I prayed about it that let me just go to the county where it's never going to happen. And then it happens. Um, and it was like, you weren't meant to be a prosecutor here. You were meant to be a prosecutor there. And when you give in and recognize it, and it was disappointing, right, it, it, to, to have that happen. And I think a lot of times also when people's expectations are not met, 
like you were talking about, how your career changed, that there's opportunities that maybe you were meant to do. And when you look back on it five years later, you're like, wow, it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted it, but I'm glad I'm living this experience. Talk to us a little bit about the difference between coincidence, creating your own destiny, and having faith that the right thing in the universe kind of conspires to make the right thing happen. So for me, like, so I wanted to pursue acting because I thought maybe I'll try it. I'll figure it out. I'll see if it's what I wanted to do. But it's not that I felt like I was always called to speak and this was like the path that I was created for. I really had to have the mindset of, I'm going to go for it because a lot of people say, oh, whatever's meant to be will be. And they don't really do the things necessary to try and achieve something or go for it. I realized, okay, maybe I don't have the confidence in this moment to do this, but I need to take the first step and go for it. And I'll pray about it. And if God says, yes, I'm supposed to be an actress, then I'll be an actress. If I'm not, he'll show me what direction I'm supposed to go in. And so I feel like for a lot of people, they try and force things or they say, oh, well, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, but they're not actually living their purpose. So they're not actually living what they've been called to do. And I've met so many people who even in their 60s say, I feel like I'm, I haven't even lived what I'm supposed to do. do I thought I was supposed to do this. Do, do you think that's because there's a sense of like failure? They want something, but they're not doing the things necessary to do it because they think they'll fail at it? Definitely. I think it is that lack of confidence of, well, what if I go for it and I mess up or people see that I didn't achieve it or for myself, because we talked a little bit at the break about developing confidence is doing the things that you say that you're going to do and also moving forward from that failure. But in today's society, there's this fear of rejection or there's this fear of failure and people don't want to go for it. They're not going to take the first step necessary so that they live in this complacent thing that they think they're supposed to do but when you're truly aligned with god's will and you're willing to just go for it and pray and say if i'm not supposed to do this god make it clear to me which is what i did when i started speaking i thought it's what i was supposed to do i didn't 100 percent know but i prayed about it and i said god i'm gonna try and i'm gonna go and i'm gonna speak and if you show me that this is what i'm not supposed to do i will trust in you i won't do it and obviously, same thing with acting. COVID happened three months after I started acting. So I knew that that's something I wasn't supposed to do. But a lot of people feel like they need to do things on their own instead of relying on a higher power. And so they're doing things and thinking it's right for them, but it's ultimately not. And then they don't feel fulfillment. They don't feel like they're in their calling. They don't feel like this is their purpose. And they truly feel lost. And a lot of people still, because they're afraid of that failure, stay in that place because they don't want to branch out, even if it is uncomfortable. Yeah, I think fear. I mean, you, you touched upon it, fear. Like, we are all fearful of things. It could be physical. It could be failing. And I think that's a lot of the things that hold people back. So if, if they're struggling with that, they want to embark on a new job or a new career or a new opportunity or a new relationship and they're fearful, it's holding them back. What advice would you give to those individuals? So I'm actually, uh, I have an outline for a book that I want to write, and it's about confidence. And it's about, even if you don't have the confidence to do it, it's taking the first step. Just trusting that no matter what's supposed to be, will be, but you have to first go after it. And we talk a lot about fear, both fear and faith. They start with the letter F, but aside from that, they both believe in, the, in a future that hasn't happened yet. And if it hasn't happened yet, why would you not choose to believe in a future that things are going to work out, to have faith that whatever is meant to be will be instead of being so fearful and not even taking the first step necessary to do it. And I talked about this in our Power Positive Summit that we did, that we do every year about how when I first started speaking, I was so afraid. I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I, you know, again, that imposter syndrome, but I said, if I just take the first step, that's, that's everything. Because if I don't take that step, I'm not moving forward. I'm staying in that complacency. Even if I fail, I can't be afraid of failure because 
that would be a shame to not step into what I think maybe God has called me to do. All right, th- th- that's awesome. I-, I can't wait to get back on the other side of this break because I do have a question for you that kind of piggybacks on that. But you're listening to WMTR Radio. It's not about the truth of Bob Bianchi. Dave Bruner will be right back. At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. Okay, welcome back to WMTR Radio. Something about the truth of Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno. Jay, I want to pick up on the last thought that you had there. They They don't take that step. We talked in the previous episode about the vampires, the energy vampires, and uh, Dave and myself are akin to liking that Teddy Roosevelt poem, Man in the Arena. Unfortunately, it's gender specific, but Brene Brown uses that, and we're, we're big fans of hers. And I find that sometimes those who take the first step and those who go out and believe in themselves and have the confidence that they can do something where others want to do it, but they won't take the, f- the first step. They wind up in what Brene Brown would say was the cheap seats, looking down at the the gladiators who are scarred and marred and dirty and bloody because they're literally taking those steps and sit from those cheap seats and critique what they do. Do you do you see that a lot in organizations? Yeah, there's a lot of people that are really afraid to take that first step. And then they're looking at people and seeing that. But a lot of times those people who have gone for it have created the most success or been the most successful. And then, of course, there's the jealousy of, well, why does that person have that success? Why are they creating that? It's like, well, because they went for it. There's actually a Duke University study that says optimists believe in a better and a brighter future. So they create they take the steps necessary to create it. Whereas there's people who they have that fear and they don't do what's necessary to create it. And so they're in what you would call the cheap seeds. Hmm. Interesting. I'm stumped. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep going. No, I want to go to self-confidence. Let's, let's stay on this topic because you said it uh, briefly in the last eloquent answer you gave. And that is keep the promises you make to yourself. I mean, that that's where it starts, right? And To keep your promises, first of all, you have to set goals. You have to set promises. Um, Talk to us about that, about actually getting to a place where you need to know where you want to go and how do you set the goals to get there. Can I I amplify that question? Yeah. And and I think Dave is bringing up a... a, I found this to be the most daunting thing in my career. I'm a... I like... This is my vision. This is where I want to go. And I'll take first steps, second steps, third steps, and keep on going and going and going. I'm stupid that way. But I think the most daunting thing that's ever happened to me in my career is when you achieve a career goal that was like your ultimate goal. And I always tell you this story. There was a high-level public official who turned to me when my career goal had been achieved and it was over and said to me, what's next in the plan? And I literally, it was like an epiphany moment for me. I had no answer. I never planned for anything. And that became the most challenging thing for me at that point was what do I want to do next where I'll be able to have a positive impact on other people? Have, have you found that people may be in the middle of their careers and they're struggling to find out what is the purpose? What do I want to do? What would I be good at? How can I help other people? And they just can't get to what the answer is so they don't know how to take that first step. Yeah, I mean... We see that in so many people that are like, I thought I was living what I'm supposed to be doing, but every time I achieve something, I have, I have more confidence, but then I don't know what's next. And it's, you know, people also get burned out in that sense. Cause it's like, Oh, I have to keep achieving, trying to find some type of goal. And then it's never enough. And we truly just say in, in all the practices that we teach in all the things that we cover and the tools that we give people is to just try and get 1% better every single day. A lot of people feel like they have to have these huge goals, these goals that maybe they're attainable if you work towards them, but sometimes they're so daunting that they set this huge goal. And for them, it's like, okay, well, I don't know what first step to take. I don't know what I should do, but the goal should be that as as just a human being to just get 1% better every single day. And as a result of that, at the end of a year, you're what, 365% better, right? 
So that's, I think, the easiest people. I feel like people focus so much on being so successful and doing all these things right away and trying to achieve this level or this status. But if you really focus on just every single day having habits and practices that will help you to get better over time, then that's more sustainable and saying, okay, achieve this goal, what's next? See, that's where I think, Dave, where we talk about perfectionism. And the person is beaten down because they're, what Jade is saying, their goal is so unattainable. They're looking for so much so quickly. And that sometimes progress goes a couple ticks up, maybe go back a little bit. It's not a perfect situation. And they, they just walk away from it because they don't feel that they can achieve it in the manner and time that they would like. They feel that they're failing right from the beginning. Sure. The perfectionist also is in fear of, you know, that they're the ones, really, the ones that don't want to miss out, don't want to lose, don't want to embarrass themselves. Those are typically the ones that don't put themselves out there. Yeah, we always say don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. What are your thoughts, Jade? So it's, it's funny because I have my own pers personal thing with that. So when I first started speaking, again, because of the imposter syndrome and all these thoughts that I had to be like my dad, I had this mindset of being perfect. If I had to deliver the content perfectly and I had to say these things perfectly and to make them really understand what I'm saying. And it got to the point where I was getting so nervous and there was a lot of fear and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I'll never forget this pivotal moment. I was doing an event in Iowa and my dad was there and he came up to me and I was like, I'm dad, I'm so nervous. We prayed right before. And he looked at me and he said, Jade, I want you to remember, this is not about you. This is not about how you deliver it. The things you say, nobody will know if you messed up one little thing. If you forgot to say this thing, he goes, the whole point of this is to focus on your audience, on what you can teach them, on what you can give them, the wisdom that they can learn from you. Nobody's going to care if you don't say it perfectly. You don't want to have this mindset of perfectionism because yeah. that takes away from the ability for the Holy Spirit to come in and move through you. That, and so, yeah. As I say, no, that is off. Authenticity will get you. It's like us trying a case in front of a jury. Authenticity and your belief in who you are and belief in your position is far more powerful than any fancy words that you think you're going to come up with. People are attracted to that level of authenticity. And, and you also demonstrate another thing here, and I'm, I'm interested if you could comment on this. It also takes self-reflection and that you're, you're able to recognize that I am fear. I don't have to be perfect. Uh, but recognizing that I could improve, I could get better because I see people that don't self-reflect at all. And so they never grow. Any thoughts on that? So I've done a bunch of events and I was doing a, them a lot with um, a guy on our team and we would do it together. And after every single workshop we did, we would sit down and say, okay, what can we do to get better? What did I need to do? How can I make this you know, better for the audience to understand? And we would even ask feedback from the companies and the teams. We were just with Harvard Athletics and we said, okay, you know, we've done so many of these, but can you give us feedback on how we can get better? Something that maybe you think we need to implement or maybe something we shouldn't do. Is the timing of the workshop too long? So we're always looking at ways to get better because again, it's not about us and the, the amount of time and all these different things. It's are we doing it in a way that people are really understanding and grasping the concepts? Because that's our mission. That's why we do what we do. This is not about how well I can present and if people think I'm great and I'm just like my dad. It's am I going to a place and am I impacting at least one person everywhere that I go? Dave, I think that every single awesome guest we've had on the show, and we've had a lot of very famous people on the show, mm -hmm. I think every single one talked about the idea that it's not about me, it's about what I can do to help other people. And here we are once again. Oh, my dad always uses the quote from um, Andrea Bocelli, the, the famous singer. And people always, you know, say, do you get nervous on stage, you know, when you're performing? And he says, you know, it's not about me. People say, oh, well, they want the audience to love them. He says, no, I love the audience. And so I want to do what's best for them to get the most out of it. I'm like, wow, he's a singer and he's saying that. You know, he's not focusing on how well they think I'm, a, I'm an amazing singer. It's, I'm going to love my audience, so I'm going to deliver a great performance for them to get something from this. Mm. So, Jade, when's, the, when's your, your first book? When, when are we putting pen to paper? When are we going to see from Jade Gordon? I need to soon. I've just been so busy, you know, pouring into other people that at some point I just need to sit down, take the first step and just 
Yeah, I've been I've been trying to take that first step right in a book for 20, <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, hey Jade, um, everybody can listen to the first uh, podcast that you did. You you are amazing. Uh, I want to talk to you after the show. I'm so impressed with regards to the organizations that I'm a leader in. Uh, but where can where can people find you? And can you just I think on this show, I'm not sure if we did it this time. We did it in the first episode. Tell them a little bit about what you do and where they can find you. So I go into companies, schools, teams, really any type of organization that needs positivity, leadership, um, a direction, a vision in which they're going. And so we do a lot of workshops. We also do keynotes just to kind of help people understand and really get to one specific point. The workshop, they have uh, you have a PDF. So you're really collaborating with people, realizing what you want to accomplish, making a connected, stronger team, all these different tools that we give you to be a better leader, to have a, a better culture and organization. And so I travel around the country doing that. You can follow me on Instagram at jadegordon11, or you can send me an email at jadegordon.com. Awesome. You also talked about the Positive Leadership Summit. That's an annual summit that you guys host. When is that and how does somebody become involved in that? <clears throat> so we do it every year free. Uh, my dad asked a bunch of speakers if they would share a message. Um, it's free so people can sign up online. But we've actually been talking. It happens usually in April. Um, so it happened in April of, of this year. But we actually have been in discussion of actually making it a live event where people can come where all these speakers are speaking and they yeah. actually get to be there in person. So we are still kind of finding out details with that. But I think it would be so cool yeah. because even when I was posting the things in April, people were like, I want to be a part of this. Like, how can I come? And I'm like, oh, it's virtual. But now it's like, yep. You can be in person with all these amazing people. I could, I could tell. Dave gave me the look. Like, okay, we're, we're going. So. Not, not, and look, we'll go on stage for you guys too. I got no problem. You know, we we talk. He's got joyful journey. I talk about uh, 2020 mindset from 2020. You, you heard a little bit about that in my Ed Milet experience, and and certainly um, we would love to continue the conversation with you. But, yeah. So impressed. But wait, before we close the show, I just wanted to do this in honor of you. I love it. Look at this. You can't see. This is why you got to look at the podcast because you're on the radio. You don't know what I just did. But in my car, just before I got here, is a Clemson University hat. So in honor of Jade, I put it. Okay, Dave, let's see what you look like in that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you listen to WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth of Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno. Jay Gordon, you are the best. Every Saturday at 10.30, Dave, when the, can they get to the podcast? Nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com is the page with all the videos. The podcasts are also available in Spotify, iTunes podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Jade, two episodes on Nothing But The Truth, and, and I guess what? We could probably go third. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll see you soon again. Hopefully, it's at the summit, and we thank you for your time. Go Clemson. We'll talk soon. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Have a weekend. You too. Thank you. We're the Bianchi Law Group, a team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys. But here's the thing. He put himself in a box when he said... My Relied on by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Law and & Crime, and news leaders across the country for our criminal defense expertise. In a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime's been committed and there's evidence in a particular place. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today.